Unsere Kirche ICF Zürich feiert dieses Jahr ihr 20-jähriges Jubiläum. In dieser ganzen Zeit haben wir nie ein permanentes Zuhause. Gehabt. Durch ein stetiges Wachstum unserer Kirche, aber auch durch externe Umstände, haben wir immer wieder unsere Zelt abbrechen und an temporären Ort wieder aufstellen. Aber diese Zeiten die sind bald vorbei. Wir freuen uns extrem, dass wir als Kirche endlich heimkommen in ein permanentes Heim. Wir werden Ende Jahr in eine top ausgerüstete Halle einziehen wo uns Möglichkeiten gibt für unsere Celebrations, gleichzeitig aber auch viel Raum für Gemeinschaft, für ICF College, Kurs, auch geniale Räumlichkeiten für die Jugendlichen und Kinder in unserer Kirche. Wenn du möchtest mithelfen, dass das Projekt Realität wird, du dich interessierst für das Projekt Coming Home und vielleicht auch das Projekt möchtest finanziell unterstützen, dann kannst du dich informieren über unsere Webseite. Vielen Dank für deine Unterstützung. Bungee Jump ist nichts. Ich mache mich ready für einen Klettertuch. Ich war doch schon auf einigen Bergtouren, aber jede neue Bergtour braucht dich extrem viel Mut. Weil du weißt nie genau, was dich erwartet. Wenn ihr ein Geheimnis wissen, den Mut hole ich mir von hier oben. Hallo, Church. Amazing. You know, every time when I see this clip, I'm sitting there by the chair, I'm afraid. There's a guy in the church makes a bungee jumping for the very first time and looks to the camera. This is unreal because if I if I will jump, I will pray to Jesus, close my eyes, and will cry out to Jesus uh, 100,000 times. Please save me, please help me. Why I'm doing what I'm doing? Yes, it's crazy. You know, for all those people who are here, maybe for the very first time in this building here, you know, for me this is history because here we started ICF Zurich in this building. And uh, for you, it's maybe cool to be here. For me, always why we have to go back <laughs> where we have started. <laughs> it's too long. It's too long ago. I'm really glad and pumped about in 10 weeks we will move into the Samsung building. It will be for us also a very historical day and I believe the best is yet to come. And I'm really pumped and I want to give you a special thanks to all um, the roadies and the, 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 the stage managers and the, what do you call the people that are building up the setup teams. Can you imagine today we set up everything Sunday morning in the building, tear it down, everything. There's a musical going on. We're building up here and parallel we're building up again for tonight and they're doing an amazing job. Let's give those people a big hand that are heroes in our church. Amazing. Thank you band. I love when you sing and praise and worship on a nice stage. Same level like us, that's amazing, you know. The title is uh, You Make Me Brave. This is the last message uh, in the series. I, wanna, I would love to speak about John the Baptist. When you are a believer or follower of Christ and you read the Bible for many, many times, John the Baptist, this is really a very, very unique guy. I would say he's a strange guy. You know why? Because he lived in the desert. He ate just grasshoppers and honey. And the clothes was from camel hair. And I don't know, I don't know when you think about John the Baptist, what kind of a picture do you have in your mind? And I asked my production team to help us a little bit, to give us a little bit of a glimpse 
how John the Baptist looked like. Here is the first example. Maybe for you, it looked like a caveman. I think, no, that's not the case. Maybe another thing is with a turban, we'll say, no, no. Another one, soldier, no, no, because soldiers, they don't eat grasshoppers, they don't eat honey, they eat good meat. That's why they're strong. If you don't eat meat, you're not strong. You know, there, there was a, a lady, she, no, I read there was a lady, she climbed the, the Mount, Mount Everest. She never ate meat. That's why she died. <laughs> they said so. It's like a joke, you know. <clears throat> the next thing, maybe see, this is for me like John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist with a, with a hat. John the Baptist uh, like an Egypt guy. John the Baptist like an angel. Uh, John the Baptist with a yellow skirt. It's more likely to be curly. Of course, uh, a yellow skirt with a beard. Beard? That's cool. I don't, I'm not sure. Something's wrong here. Um, maybe with a blue skirt, but same beard. You say maybe, no, what, what about a red color? Looks more like king. What about the blue skirt? I think the next one, this is for me like John the Baptist. Just crazy guy. And he is an amazing guy because he had the privilege to announce the coming of Jesus. I want to read you a Bible verse in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming to him. He said, see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He had the privilege to announce Jesus publicly, his coming. After he announced Jesus, something amazing happened. Revival took place. People got saved. People all get healed. The blind, they could see. The, the deaf, they could hear. Um, the, 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 he kicked out the demons. And a big, big revival took place. After some weeks, the revival took, took more and more in place. It, it was really strong and fast. And after about, about six weeks later, when the revival was taking place, John the Baptist met a king, his name is um, Herod. And when he met Herod, he said to him, your marriage is wrong in the eyes of God. And the king was not pleased about that. He put him to prison. And here is the beginning of my message in Matthew chapter 11, verse two and three. When John the Baptist was in the prison, he heard that Jesus was doing, he heard about the revival. He heard about the signs and miracles. He heard about all the things that's going on. And he had the privilege to announce the coming of Jesus Christ. But he was right now in the prison. And now it goes on. Then he asked, are you the one who was to come or should we look for another? Why has John the Baptist asked this profound question? Sometimes in our life, we have the privilege to be in the revival, the privilege to see signs and miracles. That's the cool stuff. But what if God puts you or life puts you into a prison? You're not in the revival anymore. You hear about signs and miracles. You hear about all the people. They experience nice things, but you are in a prison. And you ask a deep, profound question. Why I'm so extreme? John the Baptist could say, if I'm not so extreme, I could just see the King Herod and say nothing because he won't change anyhow. If he's not changing, why in the flipping world has I said something to him? 
And because I'm so extreme, I'm so on fire for God, sometimes I'm lacking of wisdom. And that's why I'm in a prison. And all the time, when you're in a prison, you ask yourself a question. Have I done something wrong? Or why I am what I, I am? And I could do things differently. And then you ask the question, all the people out there, signs and miracles, revival, stories after stories, but you are somewhere in a prison. And the prison could be, you have no job. The prison could be like a sickness. The prison could be, um, you. a lot of people in our church, they, uh, they get married and they have kids. And the day when they have kids, they're, they are happy and excited. But after one week, when the woman leaves the hospital, goes home, she realizes, oh, oh, the baby's here every day. And all of a sudden, the story changes. He says, oh, I cannot go out for dinner. We cannot go out for dinner anymore. And sometimes people say to me, I feel like in a prison. My husband comes home. He tells about the stories in the companies and exciting things. But I'm at home, take care of my kids the whole day. It feels like a prison, but a, a blessed prison, you know? And that's the thing, dear people, sometimes we are in a prison situation in our lives. We just see that other people experience big, big, big things. And here, John the Baptist could say three things. Why am I always so extreme? Why am I so extreme? It's like the English, uh, it's missing a word, but you get, it's not my mistake, it's actually. <laughs> I don't point to you, Detlef, it's not. No, you're just a producer. He could say, if I'm so extroverted, extroverted means John the Baptist could say, Everybody has clothes from H&M or Sarah. But why have a camel hair mantle? This is really extroverted. This is not, not, not typical. Why am I so exotic? Why am I the only one who eats grasshoppers and honey? You know? And all of a sudden, you come up with certain names, and you say, why in the world I am who I am? And that's actually a deep, deep, deep question. You know, I um, can imagine like John the Baptist, like in a cartoon. Sometimes you have so bubbles in your thinking, so bubbles, you know? You say, why am I too quiet? I'm not suitable, or I'm, I'm introvert, I'm too old, I'm unpopular. All of a sudden, you have certain things in your mind. I asked my people in the church, could you just produce a, a video clip for one minute about negative think, thoughts, just for one minute? And I, I promise you, after 30 seconds, you think to yourself, stop it. I cannot hear it anymore. But this is how people think. Let's go into one minute, and you will say, stop it right now. That's how what people think. Are you ready? I'm too loud. I am too old for that. I'm not a good singer. I'm too silly. I am not patient enough. I am not a good I'm not speaker. A good singer. I'm not interesting enough. I don't have a good taste. I'm too serious. I talk way too much. I'm too sensitive. I'm too serious. I'm not a good speaker. I'm too rough for that. I am way too clumsy. I'm not a good singer. I am too rough for that. I'm too old I'm for that. I cannot write good I enough. I don't have a good taste. I talk way too much. I am not a good singer. I'm too rough for that. I don't have a good taste. I'm not interesting enough. I'm way too clumsy. I'm not bearable. I'm not funny. I'm too serious. I'm too I'm sensitive. I'm way too clumsy. 
I'm too loud. I'm not patient enough. I don't have a good taste. I'm not funny. I'm too sensitive. I don't have a good taste. I cannot write good enough. I'm not interesting enough. I can't write good enough. I am not passionate enough. I'm not interesting enough. I am not bearable. I talk way too much. You know, hear more things? It's enough, right? You say, stop it. I cannot hear it anymore. But it's a thing, like when John the Baptist was in the prison, he had some thoughts. Why am I so extreme? Have I done something wrong? If I said nothing to King Herod, I will not be in the prison. And here's the thing I want to teach you, a principle how the devil operates or works. In Revelation chapter um, 12, verse 10, the Bible says, for the accuser, the devil is the accuser of the brethren and the sisters. That means he accuses you and me all the time. But the Bible says, he goes for them before the God day and night. He has been hurtled down. That means he has no power actually anymore in our lives. But this is how the devil operates. Here's the thing. We have some doubts in our brain. We just think. We will never say it in public. And uh, bring it. can you bring the cartoon? Um, here is... Yeah, here is. No, not later. No, this, no, this is too much. Yeah. Yeah, this one. You have some questions, and all of a sudden, the questions dropping down into your heart. Bring the, the heart, this one. It drops down from your head into your heart. You see this? And all of a sudden, it's, you're not thinking anymore, you start to feel it. Oh, I'm too old. Oh, oh I'm, I'm too extreme. You start to feel it. And when you start to feel it, here comes the devil and push the whole thing so much into your heart until it's deep, 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 deep in your heart, it starts to break your heart. This is how the devil operates. You start to thinking, it goes down to your heart, and all of a sudden it sinks so deep in your heart and the devil starts to accuse you, and you, from this day on, you start to think, I've done something wrong. This is how the devil operates. And here is an amazing thing in the Bible. And this is what I want to teach you, how Jesus handled certain things in the life of John. In Matthew 11, verse 7 to 10, and, and look how Jesus handled those situations with John the Baptist. As the followers of John the Baptist went away, Jesus began to tell the people about John. He said, what did you go out to see in the desert? A small tree shaking in the wind? John the Baptist, you are extreme because I need an extreme guy to promote me. You are not a leaf in the wind. You are solid. You are strong. Don't blame yourself why I'm too extreme. You are the right guy. Then Jesus go on, goes on. But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in good clothes? Those who are dressed in good clothes are in the houses of God. Kings, John the Baptist, you're not in a palace, you're in the desert. Do you think your camel hair is wild and crazy? This is your style. Embrace it, accept it, and love it. I like Jesus, and he's a very motivational speaker. What, what, what did you go out to see? One who speaks for God? That means a prophet. Do you want to see a prophet? When you read the Bible, tell me, how are the prophets? The prophets in the Old Testament are not normal people. 
they are crazy and wild, right? If you met a prophet in our days, they're crazy. They're very exotic. They eat grasshoppers and eat honey. They say, John the Baptist, you're not wrong. You're the right guy. You're extreme, you're exotic. That's the way I made you, and I used you to promote me into the world. Then Jesus goes on. This is the man the Holy Witness spoke of. Then he said, see, I sent my helper to carry news ahead of you. He will make you a way already for you. And here is the thing. Jesus knew how John the Baptist felt. And what Jesus is saying here in this Bible text, I'm the big, big, biggest coach ever. If you're going to a rough season in your life, if you feel like in a prison, I know exactly how to encourage you. Jesus is the biggest encourager of all. And here's my point number one. You are better than you think. You are better than you think. My wife, she sent, sent me like two years ago, like an amazing clip. And uh, I think I've never used it before in the church. But let's see here an amazing thing. It proves you, you are better than you think you are. I'm a forensic artist. Worked for the San Jose Police Department from 1995 to 2011. I showed up to a place I'd never been, and there was a guy with a drafting board. We couldn't see them, they couldn't see us. Tell me about your hair. I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing me. Tell me about your chin. It kind of protrudes a little bit, hmm. especially when I smile. Your jaw? My mom told me I had a big jaw. What would be your most prominent feature? I kind of have a fat, rounder face. The older I've gotten, the more freckles I've gotten. I would say I have a pretty big forehead. Once I get a sketch, I say thank you very much, and then they leave. I don't see them. All I had been told before the sketch was to get friendly with this other woman, Chloe. Today I'm gonna ask you some questions about uh, a person you met earlier, and I'm gonna ask you some general questions about their face. She was thin, so you could see her cheekbones. And her chin, it was a nice, thin chin. She had nice eyes. They lit up when she spoke. Cute nose. She had blue eyes, very nice blue eyes. So here we go. This is the sketch that you helped me create, and that's a sketch that somebody described of you. So yeah, that's... She looks closed off and fatter, sadder too. Mm -hmm. The second one looks more open, friendly, and happy. Mm -hmm. I should be more grateful of my natural beauty. It impacts the choices and the friends that we make, the jobs we apply for, how we treat our children. It impacts everything. You couldn't be more critical to your happiness. Do you think you're more beautiful than you say? Yeah. Yeah. We spend a lot of time as women analyzing and trying to fix the things that aren't quite right. 
and we should spend more time appreciating the things that we do like. Amazing, right? Can imagine how John the Baptist felt when he announced Jesus this coming and the revival took place and all of a sudden he was in the prison and he has, had some doubts. And Jesus came and just said to him, you are more important than you think you are. My point number two is, you're more important than you think you are. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus goes on and says, for sure, I tell you of those born of, of women, there is no greater than John the Baptist. There's no greater man than John the Baptist. Why is Jesus saying that? He, with other words, he's saying to you and me, you're not good. John the Baptist, he's the man. Why is Jesus saying that? Because he was in a situation where he's not comfortable anymore. He was in a situation where not, he's not believing in him anymore. And here's the thing. When Jesus started his ministry, the day when he got baptized, the Holy Spirit came as a dove upon Jesus. And heaven was opening and there was a voice. This is my son whom I love. Why is God saying that to Jesus? Man, he's the son of God. Why is God saying in public, you are my loved son? Why is God saying that? You know, because we have to hear that all the time. Because we're facing some challenges, some obstacles, some doubts in our lives, and we have to hear it. And before Jesus has done anything, and here's the thing, before Jesus has done anything, before you are doing anything every morning, even when you take the coffee for yourself, even before you do anything, heaven is rejoicing over you. Heaven is rejoicing over you. God is not loving you because you're performing. We perform, perform because God loves us. We always think, when I perform, God is loving me more. You're not valuable because you're performing. I perform because I am valuable. And before Jesus done anything, here's the principle of God Almighty. Before you do anything, before Jesus done anything, he's saying, this is my son, this is my daughter. Every morning, I love. Doesn't matter what you're doing. We have to hear it all the time. And now comes my question, how can we release people in our small group, people maybe in our um, in, uh, environment, how can we release people from the prison? Here are four very, very, very simple steps. Be, point number one, an encourager. Be an encourager. If you're encouraging people, that means you take away the prison and you carry away the prison. And that's actually our job. Let's carry away the prison where people are stuck. Oh, so sorry. Thank you so much. Point number one, encourage people. Encourage people. Jesus done the same thing with John the Baptist. He encouraged him. God encouraged Jesus in public. Be an encourager. I am here because I grew up in the village. I'm not here because I love Zurich. I don't like Zurich. You know why I don't like Zurich? There are, here in Zurich, there are no mountains. Zurich, there are only hills. I grew up with three amazing mountains. And Zurich has only two small hills and a river. That's it. And I grew up in a village, and I never, and I said to myself, I will never leave my village because this is my village, my mountain. Here is a couple, Heinz and Anneli Struppler. I brought you a picture. I met this couple about 25 years ago in Lausanne. And they looked at me in my eyes and said to me and my wife, I believe in you. I believe you're a pastor. 
Have you ever thought running your own church? Have you ever thought moving to Zurich? I said, no, I will never move to Zurich. There are only hills. And he said to me, I see something in you. And I was about 22 years old, and I never heard that word, I believe in you. My mom never said it to me. My father never said to me. The devil never said, it, said that to me. <laughs> Just joking. Um, even in my church, I never heard the word, I believe in you. I never heard from people, I see something in you. And he was the first couple to say, Leo, I believe in you, and please move to Zurich. And we, we married, and only one month after our honeymoon, we moved to Zurich, and we started IC Zurich because there was a guy who believed in me. Now people are asking me the question, why I'm planting churches, so many churches. Here is the deal. Somebody believed in me. Somebody called me to come to Zurich, and I will do the same thing for other people. I will be a church, church plant. I want to help people to grow in their calling that God has given them. That's why a planting church, I see in some people, there are senior pastors. And I said to them, I believe you are senior pastors. I believe you can do it. If you're not sure, come under my wing. I said it's like a big, big eagle. Come under my wing, and I will help you to plant the most vibrant churches ever. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. We have two boys, and um, my boys are going to the gymnasium. You know, gymnasium is like a high school. And uh, this is one of the biggest uh, schools um, you can take when you are like about 16 years old. Uh, and a lot of people ask me, is this important for you? So why are you asking this question? Is this important for you? I say, no. If I will never do that. I will never go to a school and study. Study is for me boring. I'm so impressed about so many people that love study, study, study. I'm impressed. How in the world can you do that? And I said to my wife, if you want to study six years, go ahead, kill yourself, do it. But other people earning money and doing something, do it, you know? For me, it's not important. Here's the thing, a lot of parents, they push their kids in study. They push their kids doing this and that, and I will never do that. I said to them, I'm your biggest coach. I see in you a potential, and my job is to bring everything out of you that God has put inside of you. Never put people in your box, or never put people in a position you like that people will be. If you're married, never put your wife into a box. Never put your wife until you say, oh, now I love her. For example, my wife, she's very creative. When you see her, she's very dressed, very creative, top down. She has every, every color, you can name it, really. I mean, in the early years, as you know it, in the early years, she was, she was much extremer. But now she's getting a little bit older, but still, she's, she walks in, you can see her. And she's very creative. And I said to her, honey, that's your style. Uh, don't be too extreme when we're going out together for dinner. And then she always tried to be somewhere in the middle. But I handed over the whole house, the whole house. She will decorate it. And I don't like it. I don't like the style of my house. I, I've, you have never heard a husband who is so honest, I know. You know why I'm saying that? I said to her, that's your house. Because I'm traveling a lot, and it's your house, and you should feel comfortable. And I, I don't put my wife into a box. Don't do that. Point number two. Give positive feedbacks. Here I preached in Hanover in Germany, 
12,500 leaders from all Germany. And you have to understand the preach for Willow Creek Church for Bill Hybels. And before I entered the stage, there was uh, the, the, the guy who organized the whole thing. He said to me, Leo, the congregation is very critical to you. I said, why to me? Uh, they, don't, they don't like you. I said, why? Yeah, you are ICF church, and you're planting many churches in Germany, and all the villages, all the cities, they are afraid about ICF. They're afraid about you You stealing all the young people from their churches. That's why when you're going on the stage, you will have a really hard time to win them. But I think after five, ten minutes, maybe you have them. Wow, this is an amazing, cool thing, you know? I felt so comfortable. I felt so welcomed, you know? Can you imagine how I entered the stage there, 12,500 people, I know they're very critical, they're not for me, they're against me. They're not open for God, they're not open for science and miracles. I preached a very amazing, I would say one of my best messages ever in high German. It was amazing, really. But now here comes the point. The moment when you're leaving the stage, this is the most empty moment. You're leaving the stage and you have no clue how was it. And in this, like, I would say, work well, one minute, you feel lost. And in that one minute, I got a text message from Bill Hybels. And I want to show it to you. It's written in English because his modern language is English, too. <laughs> and this was like only one minute later. He said to me, you did great, my friend. I was so, so proud of you. You handle the big stage well, and I'm praying that you will carefully discern how to use your influence for the Capitol Church in the future. Your potential is huge if you steward your influence well. Blessings, Bill Hybels. For me, like, <sighs> at least one guy. I want to just want to say to you, people need more positive feedbacks than you can ever think or imagine. I know you're, you're from America, you are feedbacking, feedbacking, feedbacking all the time. But if you're like a Swiss guy, a German guy, I have to preach this every day, every minute. Be positive, be positive, be positive. People have to hear that. Sometimes people are in a prison. They're not feeling in the sweet spot. They, they, they have a tough situations and they're not sure if this is really the Messiah. And they need people around to say, you're doing good, you're doing good. God is not finished with you. Point number three, praise before other people. This is one of the best thing you can ever do. If you're married, this is one of the best coaching tips I can ever give to you. If you're going out for dinner, there are some friends around you. If you want to um, make some scores by your wife, just say public, do you know my wife? When she cooks, she's on another level. And everybody gets jealous about your wife, and your wife will say, whoo! And from then on, she will cook the rest of the whole year. <laughs> it's so simple. It's so simple. Have you, ever sa have you ever sat down with people? She said, you know, in the beginning of April, we went on vacation. She says, no, no, no. What's the end of March? What's the difference? It's only one week difference between end of March and beginning of April. So what? There's so many people that criticize them all the time. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's, not, it's about the story, about the main big point, but the rest, it's very flexible. You know what I mean? 
If you want to score, just praise your wife in front of other people. This is actually what Jesus done. In public, Jesus said, John the Baptist is the greatest of all. Everybody was seeing it. But he, just think for a moment, he was in the prison. He had to hear that. In the prison, I'm the greatest of all, but I'm the prison. This was an amazing word from God in the right situation. When we, when we had our ICF conference, there was an amazing picture. My small group asked me all the time, this was Bill Hypers, he was leaving the stage. He whispered something in my ear. And everybody's asking me, what has he, has he said to you? That's not the point. <laughs> the point is, in public, he said something to me. Everybody was able to see it. And it's not about what he said to me. Of course, I knew exactly every word. It's like in me, like Mary. She kept the word of God and in her heart. I have the same thing. But here's the thing. Just praise people in public. And in our days, it's so simple. Facebook, social media, WhatsApp. You can just say something like in Instagram. You can say, well, it was an amazing message. I brought a friend. Uh, she got saved or got healed or God spoke to me. You can, in public, so easily give compliment. Every day you're sitting down on social media, give at least 10 people a positive feedback. Just before I go to sleep, I read the Bible, I pray to God, and before I close my eyes, I give every night at least 10 people a positive feedback that everybody can see it. Pastor Leo gave a feedback. It's very, very simple. The next one is pray for the person. And here's the thing. It's very important. Uh, if people are in a prison situation, if people are in a rough situation, just pray every morning for them. I have a very good old friend. I'm, I'm, I don't want to name the name. He's from Winterthur. He started the Schleife ministry. His name is Gary Heller. He's a very amazing guy. He said to me, Leo, I pray every day for you. From now on until I die, I pray every day for you that God will lead and guide you. And this is for me like a very encouraging thing because sometimes I feel like in a prison. The last two years, putting up the whole stage, tearing down everything, sometimes I felt like in a prison. And I know I have some people around me that are praying for me that are reaching my destiny. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, the Bible says, Comfort each other, make each other strong as you are already doing. Be positive. Be an encourager. Help people in the prisons to come out again and believe that God is not finished with them. I want to close with the last point. It's less about you than you think. And here is a very cool thing. Jesus first, he speaks about John the Baptist, how big, how great he is. He lifts him up and then all of a sudden comes a switch. A switch. A switch in the story. Matthew 11, 11, 12. The least in the holy nation of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now. The holy nation of heavens has suffered very, very much. Jesus answers and says, John the Baptist is great. John the Baptist is amazing. John the Baptist has amazing skills. But then Jesus said, it's even not about him. It's about his, my kingdom. And here's the thing. My job as a human being is being a culture, helping people, believing people, speak it out, give good feedback, praying for people. They're really strong in Christ. But in the end, it's not about me. It's not about you. We are vessels 
and I want to be the best vessel for God, that God flows through me and he uses me to glorify the kingdom of God. And here's my picture of always saying to people, in the end, one day, we're kneeling down in front of heaven and we'll say, God, here I am. Everything what I have belongs to you. I'm greater than I think I am. I'm better than I think I am. But in the end, it's not about me. I want to use my gifts. I want to use my skills, everything you have given to me to make your name bigger because it's all about you. But God is saying when we're on our knees, you're stronger than you think you are. You're better than you think you are. You're more important than you think you are. But in the end, it's not about us. Church, I want to invite you for a prayer. I'm so amazed about how, how Jesus teached John the Baptist and all the disciples how important, how valuable we are. Father God, I'm so thankful for this amazing teaching. You are the biggest encourager of all. In the seasons when we feel like in a prison, in seasons when we feel we are aside, we are not in the middle of the revival, you are encouraging us. You're the one who believes in us. Before I've done anything in my day, heaven is rejoicing over me because I'm God's creation. And the crown of creation. Father God, I'm so sorry for all the negative thoughts. I allowed that the negative thoughts are sinking in my heart. And Holy Spirit, can you take these words out of my heart? I want to ask you, Rana, please take these words out of my heart. Let be words in my heart. I am blessed. I am strong, I am anointed, I am favored, God is with me, my life belongs to you, and I lay down all my negative words, I want to be quiet for a moment, I will just give you right now the opportunity, because there's so many lies in our heads, lies in our hearts, they have sinked in, ask God right now to take every lie out of your heart. Please ask God. The devil is the accuser. He knows how to excuse. He knows how to do it. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for all the gifts and the skills you have given to me. It's all from you. It goes all back to you. And I will use everything you have given to me. That's my promise to you. I will use everything you have given to me to lift up your name. That not heaven or the kingdom of God has to suffer. It has to be strong and united again. 
I had last, before we start praise and worship God, I had last Saturday I preached in, in Germany in, in a stage. And in the end of the message, God said to me, lay down on the, on the, on the floor. And I've never done that before in public because it's something between me and God. And in public, I lay down on the floor. And I said, I believe there are a lot of people right now here. This is the position you have to take it again. That you lay down your life on the altar of God. And maybe you're here. It's for you right now, the moment where God is saying, lay down your life again to the altar. Don't think too much about you. Just think as well about the kingdom of God. You've never given your life to Christ or you're backslidden Christians or you're not on fire anymore or you've, you've sent in too much lies. This could be for you like your moment where you're saying to God, here I am. Take me, use me. Like John the Baptist. I want to see the revival. I want to see signs and miracles. I want to see that the blind will see, the deaf are hearing, and the lame, they're walking again. I want to see the supernatural meets the natural. And the worship band will lead us into worship and just take a moment where you have your time with Christ, reflecting your moment, seeking Christ, asking Christ for a healing, asking Christ for a word for your season. <laughs> 